We have some big news today. Pope Francis has announced that he will consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart. That's right. Francis says he's going to finally, after all these years, fulfill the promise of Fatima and consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart. Russia and the Ukraine. Will it be valid? That's the question, really. Will it be valid? In the last couple of weeks, I've done a video on was Russia consecrated. I've also looked at this letter that came from the Ukrainian bishops begging Pope Francis, please consecrate Ukraine and Russia. So today we're going to look at the statement from Pope Francis. Here's the tweet. We'll go through that. And then I'm going to show you some maps. For example, what was Russia and the Soviet Union in 1929? And why is the year 1929 important, especially when Fatima happened in 1917? We'll look at the conditions Our Lady asked for the consecration of Russia. And then I'm going to go through a number of attempted consecrations of Russia over the years. Did you know Pope Pius Twelfth did it twice? unsuccessfully? Did you know that Paul VI, in a way, did it once? John Paul II, twice? Even Francis, in 2013, did an entrustment to Our Lady of Fatima. Why did none of those work? And why is it that unless something changes with this announcement, will this one not work as well? People might be saying, Taylor, why are you being a Debbie Downer? Look, Consecrating Russia and the Ukraine to Immaculate Heart is going to be good. It's going to win graces. It's going to be beneficial. But the way it's been described so far is not going to meet the criteria of Our Lady, sadly. And we'll go through the reasons for that. Before we do, we're going to ask Our Lady of Fatima to pray for us. And we'll do that by praying a Hail Mary in Latin, the Ave Maria. Oremus in omni patris et fidei et spiritus sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or prenobis peccatoribus, nunc eretor mortis nostre. Amen. Nomini Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Arle Fatima, pray for us. Okay, could I get any more info on the screen? Yes, I can. I'm going to put on the tweet of Pope Francis, and I'll also read the announcement that came from the Vatican. The uh, Matteo Bruni, who's the director for the Holy See Press Office, released this today, earlier this morning. It says, quote, on Friday, the 25th of March, during the celebration of penance, at which he will preside at 1,700 hours in St. Peter's Basilica, Pope Francis will consecrate Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The same act on the same day will be carried out in Fatima by His Eminence Cardinal Krajewski, Apostolic Alimoner, as envoy of the Holy Father. There it is. So we're going to have a simultaneous consecration. Francis will pray the consecration of Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart in Rome. At that same moment, a cardinal, 
Cardinal Krajewski will do the consecration in Fatima, Portugal. So it'll be done in stereo. We also have the tweet, which you can see there on the screen from Pope Francis. He says, on Friday, 25th March, during the celebration of penance at 1700 in St. Peter's Basilica, I will consecrate Russia and Ukraine, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Hashtag pray together. Hashtag peace. We also have hashtag Russia. Hashtag Ukraine. There it is. All right, now what is the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart? A lot of theologians even debate, can you consecrate anything or anyone to Mary? We know we can consecrate things to God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's just basic Catholic theology right there in the Bible. The Mass has a consecration in it and then a, a immolation, an offering a sacrifice offered to the Father. That's the Eucharistic theology of the church. But can you consecrate something or someone to Mary? Mary's not God. Mary is the holiest creature. She's the holiest person. She's blessed amongst women. She's the Theotokos, mother of God. Her sanctity and her holiness, because the Immaculate Conception is beyond and bigger than all the sanctity of all the angels and the human saints combined. This is how holy Our Lady is, but she's still a finite creature. Can we consecrate our families to Mary, ourselves to Mary, Russia to Mary? What's that theology? The theology, which we can get from St. Louis de Montfort and Maximilian Kolbe, is that Consecration always has its terminus, its goal, its end point in Christ mediating our prayers to the Father. So the Blessed Virgin Mary, every prayer that she receives, every prayer, everything she does on our behalf, uh, she is, as I think it was St. Bernard of Clairvaux, maybe it was another saint, she is the aqueduct. So things flow from us to her, but they flow through Christ to the Father and then from Christ back through Our Lady. So there is nothing sacred. There is nothing divine that originates in her. All of her holiness flows from Christ. That's the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. When she was just an embryo in that very first moment of her personhood, she was illuminated. She was sanctified. She was regenerated. She was filled with the Holy Ghost. She was perfectly saved, justified. In that moment, in the very first moment of her existence with no sin whatsoever. So when we consecrate something to Our Lady or even to Joseph, or you could even say to a saint, uh, it's passing through and finding its bullseye in the offering of Christ to the Father as high priest. Remember, Mary is a mother, but she's not a high priest. Christ is a high priest. And so she brings everything in her immaculate hands to Jesus, as she says at the first miracle, do whatever he tells you. So that's the theology of consecration. It's orthodox. It's fine. We can check that off. Now, early on, there was concern, especially during the time of John Paul II, that we shouldn't consecrate 
anything to Mary, including Russia. We should entrust it to Mary. But that's not what she asked for. And here is the exact quote on the screen that I want to share with you because this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the exact quote from the 13th of June, 1929. Let me time out real quick. There could be some people watching right now and say, man, this Taylor Marshall is such a jerk. Jerk face, Debbie Downer. Why can't he be happy? I am happy. I think it's great. We need to pray for Ukraine, pray for Russia. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm a stickler for research. And I'm a stickler for truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That's where I want to be. I don't want to put my fingers in my ears or my hand over my eyes and pretend that something is legit, something is valid, something is real when it's not. That's why we're doing the research today. We're going through the quotes. We're going to look at the maps, etc. And make sure that we're looking at this from the point of view of the truth and the point of view of history. All right, and that's why we're going to look at this quote right now. This is to Sister Lucia. Quote, The moment has come in which God asked the Holy Father and to order that in union with him at the same time, all the bishops of the world make the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart, end quote. Now, if you carefully analyze this quote to Sister Lucia from heaven with very specific directions, you'll see three conditions. Let's go through them. First off, condition number one. God asked the Holy Father to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart. That's condition number one. Condition number two. To order that in union with him at the same time, all the bishops of the world. That's number two. Now, in this case with Francis, he's saying, I'm going to do it in Rome. And then the cardinal's going to do it at the same time in Fatima in Portugal. You are smart people out there. You already realize that Francis, unless he changes something between now and March 25th, is failing to follow the directions. The directions are, and to order that in union with him and at the same time, all the bishops of the world, not one cardinal in Portugal, all the bishops of the world. In other words, Francis, all he has to say is, I am sending out this document. And I am ordering, because that's the language here, ordering, I am ordering all bishops in every diocese of the Eastern Rites and of the Roman Rite, every single bishop, that at, pick a time, 1700 hours, you will all pray this consecration prayer with me, who will be praying it in Rome. And it'll take us not more than 30 seconds. That's all he needs to do. He has not done that. And then the third condition has the specific language. Consecrate Russia to my Immaculate Heart. So consecrate Russia to St. Joseph. Does that pass what is asked here? No, it's not. Consecrate Russia to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Would that be good? Yes, I would applaud that. I'd be very happy. But does that fulfill the request? 
What about consecrate Russia to the Holy Spirit? That would be good too. I would applaud that. It'd be great, be meritorious and full of grace. But would that meet the criterion here in the 1929 directions? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. And the analogy that I used before is, let's say, or if you say, I consecrate the whole world to Mechadar, which has happened before, if John Paul II, you could say, well, Russia's in the whole world, Taylor. So obviously that works. Okay, well, here's the problem with that. You're not following the specific directions. And the analogy I used last time was, let's say you go to your priest, say, Father, will you please bless, come over to our house for dinner and bless the house. We just moved into a new house. Father says, uh, yeah, I'll take care of it, don't worry. And then you see him a few weeks later, like, hey, we still really want you to come. He goes, oh, don't worry. I already did bless your house. You're like, what? You didn't come to our house. And he goes, no, I blessed the whole city and your house is in this city. So I just went ahead and took care of it that way. Would you be satisfied with that? Maybe you would. But it doesn't fulfill the specific request, which is come and consecrate my home where I live. And again, I want to say, I think this, whatever's going to happen on March 25th, if it's done in conformity with Catholic principles, is going to bring about graces and blessings upon the earth. It's good. It brings more attention to Our Lady of Fatima. It will most likely, God willing, bring graces to Ukraine and graces to Russia. Yes. But it doesn't fulfill the specific directions. It's kind of like this. Let's say Our Lady appeared to you in an apparition. By the way, if you like this video and you're learning something, please like it, thumbs up, share it. And if you're new, make sure you do subscribe and hit the bell. Let's say, thought experiment here, Our Lady appears to you. And she says to you, say your name's Jill. Jill, I have one specific request for you. And you say, yes, what is it? I want you to pray the five joyful mysteries today before midnight. Okay? Yes. Jill receives this specific message. Pray five joyful mysteries before midnight tonight. And Jill prays Two mysteries, not the five. She just got busy or she forgot. Didn't do it. Did she fulfill the instructions, specific instructions of the Virgin Mary, yes or no? It's a binary question. It's a true or false. There's no maybe. Did she fulfill the direct request? No, she didn't. Did Mary lovingly receive the two decades that were offered from her? Yes. So you see here the distinction. John Paul II made two consecrations to Our Lady. Did they fulfill the, the short instructions and the three criterion here on 1929? No, they didn't. John Paul II, he did not fulfill the three conditions. Did heaven receive it? Yes. Was God happy with what John Paul II Offered a prayer? Yes. Did it fulfill the request? No. Just as Jill prayed two decades, which are good, 
but she didn't do the five. And that's what Our Lady asked. So this was asked in 1929. And anything Francis does on March 25th, if it doesn't fulfill one, two, three, he consecrates Russia to the Immaculate Heart, but it has to be done in union with half the bishops, a third of the bishops, 99%, mo no, all the bishops. He has to order them. And I kind of wonder about that too, you know, in the specific, to order that in union with him and at the same time, all the bishops. So, we or so like, let's say he orders all the bishops in the world and there's just one punk bishop who says, I'm not doing that. And he, during that time period, goes out and smokes a cigarette and he doesn't do it. I think it, if you read this, I think it would still work because he's asked to order all the bishops to do it with him. As Pope. As Supreme Pontiff. That's just my speculation on that one detail. But we know Francis has not announced that second condition. Now, let's look at 1929. Because people are also saying, well, Our Lady said consecrate Russia to her immaculate heart, but Francis is going to do Russia and Ukraine. Is that a problem? So let's do some research. Again, if you're getting frustrated, upset, like why, why do we have to be so critical? No, we're just looking at the facts. Spending time. I mean, if God asks us to do something, let's make sure that we do things right. Here, so this quote, this request comes in 1929. What does Russia look like in 1929? Boom, there it is. Went and got a map. 1929. Russia, you can see, is Russia. But then there's the USSR. Ugh. We're back in the USSR, as Paul McCartney said. And you can see the countries, sadly, under that godless, communist, satanic reign. Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Armenia, Georgia. And look, boom, 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 Ukraine. Belarus is there, Latvia, Estonia. Now, I honestly don't know. Maybe no one knows. When Our Lady in 1929 asks for Russia to be consecrated, she didn't say the USSR. She said Russia proper. So I'm guessing that's Russia. Now, Ukraine, which used to be called, I think it was Kievan Rus, Kievan Rus. Kiev was originally sort of the missionary capital outpost of Cyril Methodius to the, the Russian people. So I don't really know how all that works. But the inclusion here, it seems that the Ukrainians and the Ukrainian bishops who made this request know that historically Kiev is integral to Russia, which I think is part of Putin's argument. Again, I, these are all things beyond what I, my history knowledge. But that's the map there. So, I mean, does it have to include? This is just a question I don't even know. I'm just asking it. Maybe some of you know in the comments. Speaking of, let me get these comments. Can I see the comments? Here we go. 
Um, does it have to include uh, Russia, Kazakhstan, Georgia, Armenia, Ukraine, Moldova, Belarus, Latvia, Lithuania, all the countries that were under USSR in 1929? Or is it simply sufficient to say Russia? And my guess is it's simply sufficient to say Russia. Because that's, look, that's what she says in the quote. The consecration of Russia. So, Russia it is. Now, there's another quote from 1936 that I want to share with you because it relates to our debate here, our discussion. This is a letter to Father Gonsalves. Hopefully, I said that correct. 1936. Or he writes, she writes a letter to Father, and she mentions something that Jesus Christ, in this case, not Our Lady, but Jesus Christ, told her. And it is this quote Pray very much for the Holy Father. He will do the consecration of Russia, but it will be too late. Nevertheless, the Immaculate Heart of Mary will save Russia. It has been entrusted to her, end quote. That's good news right there, but it's sad. In other words, even in 1936, Sister Lucia knew that the popes would be kicking the can down the road. They would try, they would do it in a way that didn't fulfill the three conditions of 1929. God, the Son, Jesus Christ, specifically revealed this to Sister Lucia. And we, living in 2022, almost 100 years, well, definitely 100 years after Fatima, but we're seven years short from the 1929 request. knew, was told that the Holy Fathers would not fulfill the request and that when the Pope does, it will be too late. And I hate to even think of that. I hate to even think of that. But the Immaculate Heart of Mary will save Russia. Now, people will say, well, Taylor, look, I mean, John Paul II did it already. March 25th, 1984. He did it. Yeah, but he did not say Russia. And that's condition number three. He said the world. Now, the consecration of Russia or different variations of it have happened many times beyond what Pope uh, John Paul II did. And Francis, in fact, Francis has already done one. This happened in 2013. If, now you should read my book, Infiltration. Most of what I talk about on this podcast, on YouTube, presupposes, presumes that you already know the content of Infiltration. And on page 100 of Infiltration, I list... The five, perhaps six times, previous popes have attempted to make consecrations or entrustments, all of which 
didn't fulfill the three conditions. So when people watch this video today, they're like, man, Taylor's such a Debbie Downer. Why can't he be excited about this? I'm just saying, look, we've already had five or six attempts and none of them worked. None of them were valid. Russia is not saved. It hasn't happened yet. What were those five or six events? First off, again, this is all on page 100 of infiltration. See, we got to do our research. We can't just go with our feelings. We got to know the facts. Pius XII, October 31st, 1942, consecrated the church and the entire human race to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. That's great. I love it. Good job, Pius XII. But does it fulfill the three conditions given to Lucia? No, it doesn't. So guess what Pius XII did? In 1952, July 7th, he consecrated the Russians to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. You might say, aha, it's already happened, Taylor. It's true that Pius XII consecrated Russia to the Immaculate Heart. He did it with the proper words in 1952. But what was missing? All the bishops. It did not fulfill the three criteria. And on page 101, I explain Pius XII's action that happened in 1952. Uh, let me just read it to you. Pius XII recounts the thousand-year relationship of Rome pardon me, with the Russian people, beginning with the missionary efforts of St. Cyril and Methodius, on whose feast day this letter was written, who were sent by Pope Adrian II to the Slavic people. Pius XII recounts the happy fellowship of Rome and Russia and mentions the relief provided through his own mediation as Cardinal Pacelli by Pope Benedict XV and Pope Pius XI. Without apology, he notes that Pius XI assigned the traditional Leonine prayers after low mass to be prayed for the, quote, unhappy conditions of religion in Russia. Some of you know that when you go to a traditional Latin mass, a low mass, after low mass, there are the Leonine prayers. These were the prayers that were given by Pope Leo XIII when he saw a vision of Satan infiltrating Rome. Again, all of that is in the opening chapters of Infiltration. You have to know that background. Those prayers were originally prayed for the papacy and the papal states, but Pius XI transfers them and has them prayed for Russia. Guess who ended the Leonine prayers after low mass for the Russian people? Paul VI. Paul VI is the here we got we got Paul the six here I know we do there he is Paul the six is the one who rewrote the liturgy for all seven sacraments he presided over and ratified Second Vatican Council gave us the Novus Ordo Mass etc a major bank scandal with mobsters and mafia in the 1970s again all those details are also in the book Infiltration that's why you need to read it then Pius XII consecrates Russia to the Immaculate Heart. Listen to this. I'm reading it. It's on page 101. 
We therefore, so that our prayers may be more readily granted, and to give you singular attestation of our particular benevolence, as we a few years ago have consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of the Virgin Mother of God, so now, so very special, we consecrate all the peoples of Russia to the same Immaculate Heart, in the sure trust that the most powerful patronage of the Virgin Mary, the vows are fulfilled as soon as possible, that we, that all the good ones form the true peace for a fraternal concord and for the due freedom to all and first of all to the church. So that through the prayer that we raise together with you and with all Christians, the saving kingdom of Christ, which is the kingdom of truth and life and kingdom of holiness and grace, the reign of justice in all parts of earth may triumph and steadily grow. Beautiful prayer. Pius XII really knew how to pray, really knew how to govern, sanctify the church. My opinion, he was the last pope who really, really knew how to be pope. And he says specifically, previously we consecrated the world to you, to your Immaculate Heart. Now we consecrate the Russian peoples to your Immaculate Heart. He fulfilled condition one and condition three, but he did not order all the bishops of the world to join him in consecrating it. That's on page 100 and 102 of Infiltration. Get a copy. I'm telling you to get a copy, not because it's going to make me a wealthy man. I don't get that much from each sold copy of the book, but so that you know the truth about what's going on. In 2019, people said, oh, that book's a conspiracy theory. Now in 2022, it sells more than ever. People are reading it and they're like, aha, this is what's actually going on. The church has been infiltrated since before Vatican II. And we know from 1936, we should pray for the Holy Father. He will cons consecrate Russia, but it'll be too late. Nevertheless, her Immaculate Heart will save Russia. That's the truth. So what I hope happens is that a Pope orders with himself presiding they don't have to all be from the conditions here they don't all have to be in rome he orders all the bishops of the world to pray the consecration i they could even use the consecration prayer used by Pius the 12th it's beautiful it's perfect and pray it at the same time and so much of the madness of communism and socialism and feminism and atheism all these errors that leaked from Russia into all the world, including the United States and Canada, throughout the world. China, North Korea, North Vietnam, Cuba, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, East Germany. All of this will be put to an end by the Immaculate Heart. It's what we need. It's what we need. We long for it. Lord Jesus Christ, how long? We long for this peace. Prince of Peace. So, oh, there's also the other question. My friend... Dr. Ed Mazza, I've had him on a few times. You know, he believes that Pope Benedict is the real Pope, not Francis. Um, 
and he's tightened up his his Mazda thesis over the last years. He's come on and talked before, but he's also been on other podcasts. He called me before I did the show. He said, we got to get Benedict there as well. What if Francis isn't the real Pope? We need Benedict to be there. Well, if you follow the rules that Our Lady gave, it shouldn't even be a question, Dr. Ed Mazza. shouldn't even be a question. Why? Because it says all the bishops of the world join together. Ratzinger Benedict is bishop. He would he would have to be included. So, if you follow the actual instructions, it's not even a concern. Not even a concern. By the way, I remain unconvinced on that thesis, though I find it interesting, and it could be a possibility. I'm certainly open to. It. I don't rule it out. Um. So yeah. Let's pray that all the bishops and the Pope meet the three criteria given by Our Lady. It's not that hard. I mean, we have been hitting our head against the wall, against the sheetrock, for almost 100 years, and the church has been in decline, a downward spiral for coming up on a hundred years, or if you want to say 75 years, however you want to slice and dice the decades, it's been going bad. In fact, today's show was going to be this memorandum that's going around amongst the cardinals talking about how Francis has really hurt the church over the last, what's it been now, nine years, and builds a case Presumably, the point of this memorandum is we can't elect another guy like this, Bergoglio. I'll probably still do that show. Maybe tomorrow or Thursday. So make sure you are subscribed and hit that bell to be notified when we do that. Lots of, lots of things are happening. One of the interesting things about that memorandum is how disliked Francis is. Of course, in America even in South America, but in Rome and Italy, not liked. Even all the crazy liberals putting up their rainbow flags around the altar and doing LMNOPLGPT constantly in their churches in Germany, even they don't like Francis because Francis isn't going liberal enough for them fast enough. It's a disaster. Remember when lightning struck the Vatican? when Benedict announced he was resigning. Remember, it was just a few days ago, the anniversary of the election of Pope Francis. Remember when he came out on the loggia? Do I have a picture of this? I remember where I was when that happened. And they announced, Jorge Bergoglio. And I was like, who? The Jesuit? South American? What? Let me see if I can, yeah, I'll share it. Let me share this pic. I remember the sense of dread. I remember calling my friends and saying, what do you know about Bergoglio? Well, I know this and that. This was a day 
of infamy. And another reason, another reason why I don't see how Francis is going to properly fulfill the three conditions is he can't properly fulfill the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Idolatry. Saying things like in the Abu Dhabi document that God wills the plurality of religions. No, he doesn't. By setting up the Pachamama, not just in the Vatican Gardens with idolatrous worship, but putting the Pachamamas in a church, putting the Pachamamas in St. Peter's Basilica in front of the altar above the tomb of St. Peter the fisherman, the apostle, the first pope, sacrilege, blasphemy, idolatry. We can debate all day whether Pope Francis is a material heretic, a formal heretic, whether it's manifest heresy. No matter how you want to slice and dice the H word, the I word is right in front of us. Idolatry. He promoted idolatry. Abomination of desolation. We need to reconsecrate St. Peter's. We need to have public penance during Lent for these sacrilegious acts. These desecrations of the holiest church in all of Christendom. The tomb of St. Peter. Not the holiest. Holy sepulcher, I guess, would be right up there at the top. Top five, for sure. All right, well, let's pray that a pope and the bishops actually consecrate Russia. Oh, I didn't finish the other the list. I did Pius XII. Pius XII did two consecrations, one to the whole world and the second one to Russia without the bishops in 1952. Paul VI confided the human race to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in 1964. That wasn't it. John Paul II made two consecrations, one May 13th, 1982, and another one March 25th, 1984. That one in 1984 is the one that people point to as being the valid one, and I absolutely it cannot be valid one. He does not use, he does not meet the three criteria. You may not know this, but Pope Ben the 16th, again, this is all on page 100 of infiltration. Pope Ben the 16th on May 13th, 2007, invoking Our Lady on the 90th anniversary of Our Lady of Fatima said, quote, in a special way, we entrust to Mary those peoples and nations that are in particular need confident that she will not fail to heed the prayers we make to her with filial devotion. So again, he doesn't use consecration. He uses entrustment. He says Our Lady of Fatima, but he doesn't say Russia, and he doesn't have all the bishops with him. So that's a fail. And then in 2013, on October 13th, Pope Francis made a act of entrustment to Our Lady of Fatima, but again, it didn't meet the criteria. So we have seen five, maybe six attempts beginning in 1942 with Pius XII and they all don't meet the criteria. So that's why I'm not jumping out of my chair saying, alas, finally, the promise of Fatima is going to come to pass because I'm looking at a Pope who has promoted idolatry and has spoken heresy 
in the church and has protected and exalted criminals in the church. Of course, there's always repentance. There's always a change. May it be, Lord, may it be. Accept our fastings and our penance. May it be. But he's already announced his intentions, and his intentions do not meet the three criteria. Criteria. Maybe someone can get to him and say, hey, it's got to be with all the bishops. That's what heaven said in 1929. It's got to be with all the bishops. Get it going on. But if he doesn't do that, it's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. And of course, what do we need to do? What do you need to do, my fellow Catholics, my Christian friends? You need to pray the rosary every day or you're not on the team. We got to get serious about this. Do we pray the rosary every day? Are we on the team? This is one of my favorite things. Sometimes I get stopped by complete strangers. It's in an airport once. Someone just stopped and said, hey. I was like, excuse me? He's I just want to say I'm on the team. Keep it up. Yes. That's like a spiritual fist bump moment. We are co-laborers. We are warriors together in the trenches. I was in D.C. once. Someone came up, put their hand out. We're on the team. Pray the rosary every day. Yes. And some silly people think, oh, this is some Taylor Marshall Club. It's not. <laughs> I didn't make it up. Our lady said, pray the rosary every day. I've heard that in their dialect, she said the equivalent of, I think, terse or something like that. I don't have the word in front of me. I've been told by Portuguese speakers that what she said to the children is pray a third of the rosary every day, which means what? Five decades. Mary gave 15 decades of the rosary, so a third is five decades. So all of you need to be praying five decades every single blessed day. That's our part as lay people. We can't be down here and complain and bellyache and moan. Oh, these bad popes, these lazy popes, they won't do Fatima. They won't consecrate Russia. If you're not praying, you're at minimum five decades of rosary every day. That's your little bitty part. We got to do it. We got to do it with charity and with joy. And we got to lead our families and dads. You got to lead your wife and your sons and your daughters in praying the rosary and not be ashamed of it. And we got to take the rosary into the streets, into the public squares. We got to pray the rosary in public. All right. Keep on praying that rosary. And um, Our Lady will hear us if we beg her. If we beg her. She will hear us. And we know it's going to happen. It's just going to happen too late. The blessings, the favors that we could have enjoyed, the cultural renewal, Catholic culture, we missed out on a lot of those graces, a lot of those promises. That's sad. Let's pray 
that we can still have. In fact, Father Ripperger said one of the things in Fatima that she told Lucia is that people should pray to be preserved from the negative effects of what's happening in the world. You know, the message of Fatima is not all roses. There's punishment, desolation, perhaps even the elimination of certain nations. She says, pray that you, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, can be preserved of some of these effects. So I would encourage you also when you pray to pray that as well. That you would hide under the blue mantle of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Hide yourself under the mantle of the Blessed Mother. Every night when we pray the rosary, at the end, I, of course, as a father, bind all unclean spirits and demons from my home and from my children and my, my wife. I ask the Holy Ghost to come into our house every night and into our hearts. And I ask Our Lady to protect and hide us under her mantle. That's the very last thing I say at night. Protect us and hide us under Our Lady's mantle. Let's all pray that. All right, thanks for watching. If you like it, hit the thumbs up, like button, share it on Facebook. I'd appreciate that. You are my algorithm. YouTube doesn't promote Fatima videos. And then please subscribe here on YouTube. You can do that in the bottom right corner. There's a little, um, where is it? There it is. A little subscription button there. Hit the bell. And you'll be notified when we go live. All right, let's pray the Hail Mary in Latin. And let's ask that the consecration happens this year. Oremus. In nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tu, Iesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pronobis peccatoribus, nunca detor mortis nostre. Amen. And for all the graces that we have received, through Our Lady, Gloria Patri, et Filio, Spiritui Sancto, Sicuterat in Principio, et Nunc et Semper, et in Secula Seculorum. Amen. Nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us, St. Joseph. Pray for us, all holy popes. Pray for us. Nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Special greeting to all the international people. I know people from all over, Croatia and Ireland, South America, Italy, Rome, even in China and Asia are watching, just want to say hello, greetings, hope you're having a good and happy Lent. Keep praying that rosary every single day. Make the first five Saturdays, that's also part of the message of Fatima. And remember, our Lord Jesus Christ says you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and Godspeed. <laughs>